Ка-ха! 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And I'm Pat. Oh, heck yeah. It. No we jokes. No nothing. The, the comedy uh-huh. is over. The entertainment is done forever because y'all were so mean to me last episode. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It took, it took all of my restraint to not craw after my name. So. I wanted to do it too. I know. I <laughs> thought you would. And then I was like, no, I was she chickened to, out too. I chickened out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I almost screwed up because I had a mouthful of beer right as Ash said it. And I was like, I didn't time this right. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, you're taking a sip you way might- <laughs> too, too soon. Um, We have a guest. Yeah. yeah. And I mm-hmm. really feel like I should be doing a special voice now based off this. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Thorough skewering of Brett. Um, yeah, I'm Rick Hines. Uh, I'm an author of the Seventh Age series and the upcoming Red Opera. And I'm Ooh, a massive fan woo-hoo. of this movie we're about to watch to the point where I used to dress up like it every day in high school. Oh, <laughs> no. Yes. You're in good it's company great to meet here. you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. A few of us shopped at Hot Topic, too. Or maybe just one. I don't know. Was it multiple of us? <laughs> I, Wait, it was multiple of us, guaranteed, because I, I did it too. But I'm pretty sure that Hot Topic came out after this movie. I think this movie perhaps oh, spawned yeah. the wave of I Hot Topics. I would believe Hands down, that's got to be the truth. I got my first set of combat boots from the Army Surplus stores, and like my trench coats weren't uh, available you know, easily <laughs> as well. Uh, so Hot Topics came uh, a little bit later, I think, with the rise of Manson. Yes. So. Oh. Ac- accurate. And Manic Panic Hair Dye. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or punky colors or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Manic panic never gets out. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think my, uh, I think the house that I lived in when I was a teenager still has the shower stains uh, yeah. from that <laughs> stupid dye. Yeah. <laughs> Gr- grade took, A chemicals. It took like a whole bottle of soft scrub to get it like only like five shades lighter in my childhood bathtub. Yeah. I decided to dye my hair at my boyfriend's house one time in high Smart. school. And I decided to dye it pink. And um, his mom was not happy about the tub color <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Is that I, the only time I've ever done that was it's like that Halloween spray that like oh, supposed to wash no, out. No, no, it's no. Worse. It smells like this, garbage. It smells like, like this is, melted plastic. This is this is full on, you know, you're, you're bleaching your hair and you dye it some like, well, for me it was black, but uh, otherwise it was, you know, some ridiculously high pink purple or color bright mm-hmm. blue and it's, it shines completely. It's the main, it's the main basically freaking hair dye of the damn 90s basically. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it will never come out of anything. And then your pillowcases, your showers, uh-huh. everything you own, most any t-shirt that also isn't black is mm-hmm. going to be uh yep. picking up those colors. Uh, yep. And that's it, rough with black too cuz then it just looks dirty versus like if it's pink or blue it's like, well, it's my hair dye, but you know, if so it's black. The 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 worst thing about wearing all blacks, uh, when you started off and, you know, here I am a sophomore in high school and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to start doing this and I'm wearing all blacks and I'm 
I, I look okay at the start. But then as you do different laundry cycles uh, over yeah. the year, your blacks start to fade at different tones. And then next thing you know, you kind of got like one that's dark gray and your shirt's got holes in it where you can stick your thumbs through. Uh, you haven't, um, your black starts mismatching and it, it, it doesn't look good anymore. Yeah. Yes. Eventually you have to re-up that. Hashtag it's amazing <laughs> the work though in high school you put in to like being the person you are want to be where like you the former goss like you just said would go into all this work with like your hair dye or like me repressing my emotions because real men in the locker room aren't allowed to have emotions and <laughs> okay over there Pat this <laughs> just went this, off the deep end yeah. <laughs> black uh, was the goss emotion it was just yes. you know should, should we say what movie we're watching yes ah. so Speaking of all of the goth, we're watching The Crow, which we did a movie poll, so you guys got to pick, and it won, I'm by sorry, but by a landslide, yeah. it I won mean, 72%. That, yeah. It, is that the biggest margin of victory for I a think poll? it is. In, like, yeah. Guys, I am so excited, because literally the minute July ends, I am in, like, full-blown Halloween mood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you are just like mm-hmm. fulfilling my heart right now. And it really pisses me off that it's like 100 degrees out right now because <laughs> I want my pumpkin spice and my brisk air. I want it all. Yeah, it's Halloween until yes. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have graduated from, you know, absolutely being the, you know, college goth and all black to give me my freaking Halloween and my damn pumpkin spice lattes the moment yes. September 1st rolls around. I like yep. order it on my damn app. Give me that crack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. I am totally okay with this. Me too. I love pumpkin spice. There is Everything. Nothing not just, not just lattes. Like pumpkins. I will get the Cheerios. Mm-hmm. I will get the Oreos. I don't care what it is. If it's pumpkin spice, yeah. I will eat it. No, I'm Wait, with you on they that. Make I, Oreos? I, I'm kind of, Yes. Oh yeah, they make literally they make everything. Um, everything. But mm-hmm. I'm almost where it's like the coffee part is. I'm almost kind of not into that anymore. But I do like the flavor. Like yeah, or the, the ice cream. The, the lattes are so sweet. But I like yes, Rick. But as far as they make that, they make at least at my local grocery store, they literally have a whole pumpkin spice display. Sometimes where it's like two dozen different products that are pumpkin spice yes. flavor. Um, yeah, yeah our fact, problematic fave, Trader spice. Joe's, has that, just the pumpkin spice, like, mix that you can put yeah. on any food. Anything, yes. Mm-hmm. I definitely have pumpkin that. Pumpkin spice chicken? No, I'm kidding. Oh, my gross. God. <laughs> you know what, though? I don't know no, if it was, like, no. fried chicken. Oh, like, chicken. fried chicken and waffles Ooh, kind of thing. I mean, I would try that. I would try that. Fried pumpkin spice chicken and waffles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have an air fryer now. I will. I might try it. <laughs> but I w- before we dive into the movie real quick, I want to touch on, because Rick, you, you blew through your intro. I want to touch on a couple things, real, and we'll talk about it at the end. But um, you are an author, a writer, and you have your novel series, The Seventh Age. The first book is out and available. I read it. It's great. If you like, you know, if you want post-apocalyptic magic and demons and cool shit Ooh. like that, a lot of fun. Does everyone wear black in the- <laughs> uh, it, uh, no, actually, not no, so actually. much. But it, is, but it is sarcastic urban fantasy about the end of the world, which is pretty timely at the moment. Wow, it's kind of yeah. described as like, He's what happens if, uh, you know, 
what happens if uh, Harry Dresden fails or Voldemort gets out and magic <laughs> returns to today's world? Ooh, um, I like that. But the other thing that you've been spending a lot of time on that you mentioned that our <laughs> listeners are somewhat familiar with, because I've mentioned it a time or two, is... A couple times, maybe. The Red Opera. Is which the Red Opera, Last Days of the Warlock. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And if you're listening to this episode, the campaign's live. <gasps> yeah. Which means there'll be a link in the notes. Pause right now. Go back it. Yeah. We'll From someone who isn't involved in this project, guys, you got to check it out. I don't know if I told you recently, Pat, that I finally like looked up the music that's like inspired that you play while mm-hmm. playing the campaign. And it's yeah. so badass. It's amazing. You have, it's heavy metal with like orchestra. Yeah. It's yes. the, what is it? The Budapest Orchestra? Yeah, the, Bud- the Budapest Scoring Symphonic Orchestra and the band Diamorte got together. And so with every chapter, we have that little QR code that you scan it and you get this full orchestra while you're going through because it's all meant to be an opera. So the That's all so 10 cool. acts are, are there. But the taking the metal, surprisingly taking metal music and putting it into symphony form, uh, we found out through this process works really well. It really does. It's very, I think you'd like it, Sam. You should check it out. Awesome. I don't know if you have. I remember having some discussions back in the day about like what's what's the you know the the most musical not musical like what's the most technical kind of uh modern music and it's like you know what like if if you if you take the distortion out of it like metal is actually very close to like classical music anyway mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of technical uh awesome chord changes and stuff in a lot of modern metal music. So I'm, I'm really excited that uh, there's actually an accompanying music set for this because it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a gamer or you play 5e or you like role playing or you just really like freaking metal and story and opera together, go check it out because it is wickedly cool. Mm-hmm. Right on. Today we are watching the most Ka-ka! metal. Yes. The caca. Uh, the crow. <laughs> uh, the crononine. No, that doesn't work. Mm-mm. No. Which, um, this is going to be an interesting episode because uh, three of us have not seen this movie. Three? Uh, really? You guys haven't? I haven't. No. No, I've only seen like bits and pieces when my dad was watching what? it when I was younger. Wow. Yeah, I'm this- in the bits and pieces camp as well. You never partied on Devil's Night? I'm so excited I mean, for this movie. <laughs> Do you guys remember when Devil's Night stuff actually happened? Because no. I don't know what you're talking about. Arson. Okay, we'll get into watching the movie, and when it comes up in the movie, I will tell you about it. Like maybe at the halfway okay. point. Otherwise, I remember surprised. lots of talk about Devil's Night, and then it never happening because our town was lame. Well, you oh. can talk about it. Well, I mean, I mean, if it's not Rick. a spoiler, then that's fine. It's not a movie. It's well, not a plot spoiler. It's not a, it, it, it opens up sure. with that right away. But really what happened was is there's this – right before Halloween in Detroit, they had celebrated Devil's Night. And they would go around and burn down a bunch of buildings and, and cause like actual like true mayhem. Whoa. Well, after The Crow came out, that actually did start happening where people would burn down some buildings – uh, right after that. I mean, there's a reason this thing made it into cult classics. Uh, you know, the uh, aside from the fact that um, uh, Brandon Lee's uh, tragedy uh, mm-hmm. in the making of the film. That's like the only thing I know about this movie. I, I've never I've never even seen like clips like I don't know. 
I think I pulled up the trailer to like peek at it before hand and I was like, wow, um, I don't know anything. I've not seen any of this. Don't worry, really I didn't watch the whole trailer. But by the special effects when he grows like long black feathers out of his skin and his face. They didn't have that in the trailer. Beak. They don't do that. Well, yeah, I mean, oh. they, they, won't, they won't put that in the prayer. <laughs> they're, 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 that's, that's, are those are in the sequels. special effects in this, though. There are. Uh, yeah, and I'll be, I, I read the description of some of them, and I'll be curious to know if we can tell where they were used. Because, obviously, uh, yeah, Brandon Lee uh, w- was shot and, and killed during the filming of this, the star of the film. Uh, yeah. But there's scenes that, he wasn't that he didn't finish filming yet that they uh managed to composite him into uh and a couple of them sound really technical and this is i mean so early what year uh, was this i didn't write down the year of this fine i'll do it <laughs> to the google this is the only thing i do know about this movie because like in film school this 94. was like the story you know like yeah. the story of why guns are super dangerous on set and like it was just, you know, like this, like urban legend almost of like, you know, this tale that all the film students knew about this crazy movie where the dude actually got shot. So I was trying to figure out an interesting way to bring up how this all happened. Cause it's kind of like there's, there's trivia f- for this movie, but like most of it is this was a mess of a movie. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. Apparently everyone on set. Uh, except for possibly uh, Brandon Lee, uh, was doing coke the entire time. Uh, was this in the 80s? <laughs> it, well, it came out 94, but I don't know how long it was shelved before it got picked up uh, with all of the you know, compositing to finish it. Mm. Um, but uh, so the crew was not on their A-game. Um, let me... I, I have... Like Could you imagine trying to mishaps. like like roll sound or like operate a film camera while on coke? I can't. I can't imagine, imagine trying to swap out film reels while you're high. People kept saying this movie was cursed. Uh, Brandon Lee actually cut himself on breakaway glass, uh, which apparently Ooh. never happens. And somebody was like, "That's bad luck," and they they told him that they feared he was going to die in an accident on set. Because it, that was like bad luck, and so urban urban legends like it actually happened. Um, that sounds like bullshit to me because it's not that uncommon to cut yourself on breakaway glass. It's still know. pretty sharp. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a huge list of ridiculous stuff that happened on this set, though. Uh, where when they were filming, it was so cold that the camera rails had to be de-iced uh, with blow torches. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Uh, Where did they film? Yeah. Uh, in North Carolina. Huh. Um, the first day of filming, a uh, one of the carp- set carpenters uh, like had severe burns uh, on the upper half of his body because he hit live power lines. Uh, a grip truck caught on fire. Um, <gasps> one of the stuntmans, uh, stuntman broke several ribs uh, when they fell through a roof. Uh, one of the sculptors like freaked out and crashed their car through the uh, the uh, prop shop and destroyed it. Um, wow! A, a, someone actually drove a screwdriver through their hand. Uh, 
Oh. A hurricane Jesus. destroyed several of the sets. Um, <laughs> and the a neighboring. Hurricane? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the neighboring production studio, uh, it was rumored that, rumored that they were taking bets on like what the next accident was going to be. And then their set caught on fire and burned down a bunch of their sets. What? <laughs> so just everything uh, around this film was cursed. I don't this is think like they had a La Mancha, but like I, even I, worse. So I looked, I was curious who the director was that was, you know, piloting this Titanic. Uh, did you, do you have notes on him? I don't want to steer Thunder, Brett, but I, I have, have like two notes on him. Go ahead. Oh, Alex Proyas. You go ahead, right? Do yours. Oh, I, the only real note I had was, uh, cause the crow has a very striking, uh, look to the movie. And I was like, this does look like at least one other thing. And it turns out, uh, yeah, Alex Proyas directed the other thing I thought it looked like, which was Dark City. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. I, well, <laughs> so that's, I see that as like a, this movie I like, uh, Dark City, I actually really like. I think is underrated, but he's also directed uh, 2016's Gods of Egypt, which is oh no terrible, oh. and also has all like white people cast yeah. as the gods of Egypt and stuff. No, yeah. that was just four years ago. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. Well, and then uh, supposed to be out last year and didn't happen uh, was the uh, the Crow remake. We almost had a Jason Momoa as the crow. Oh, he'd be great. That, mm-hmm. He would be good. Yeah. So it is Rick. But no, if you guys aren't familiar with the tragedy of the crow movies is this movie is worth the watch. And then we get into the crow sequels, which are infamously, uh, notoriously terrible movies. Oh, no. <laughs> and they've been trying to reboot this for forever. At one point, um, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, um, uh, Bradley Cooper was going to be uh, the crow in the, in the crow what? remake. They had, yeah, they had a bunch of different actors at different points. And James O'Barr, who's the creator of the original comic, which is a fantastic graphic novel, uh, you know, it's it's a standalone. And there was some extra stuff that came out afterwards. But they have been trying to remake this or recapture the magic of this first film, and it's been. It's been worth the watch and like watching a train wreck every movie that came after. Like the second one has Iggy Pop in it and it's actually an okay-ish movie. Just nowhere near uh, what this first movie was. And especially because I think there was like a lot of lost love and and fandom and all the the fires that happened on set that that helped (laughs) make this movie what it was. Literally crafted with, uh, you know, injuries and, you know, tragedy. But then... The other movies that that followed, like the last one, is so laughably bad with its like satanic like panic that they try to throw into it, and the storylines just make no sense. The, the one in oh, it was as recent as oh five. The one with Edward Furlong in it as the crow. yes, what? <laughs> and Tara Reid is in this. What? Oh boy, no. How did I not know this existed? Wait, did you say <laughs> that there's five? And or just I that it came have, out in 05? Uh, David Boreans, you know, uh, Angel from Buffy series. Oh, uh-huh. yes. Oh, man. Oh, oh dear. Oh, my God. Yeah, this sounds like a mess. I'm going to so watch I'm, that oh, I'm, I'm perfect. Oh, please. Uh, you know, but I'm perfectly okay with there not being a Crow remake. Uh, this is this is okay. You don't have to remake every movie out there. <laughs> But if they did and it was awesome, well, then whatever. I'm also not going to complain. 
but it better be awesome because if they give us another 2005, uh, what, what's the title of that movie? Wasn't like the crow, mm. like dark tidings or something like that. Um, I forgot the name of it. Wicked prayer. Oh dear. Wicked prayer. That was it. Yes. There's just this scene in that movie where he's like flying through the air, doing the Jesus cross, chasing down the bad guy. And it's like, what the <laughs> hell is this? You are clearly on some of the worst w- wires ever. Oh <laughs> no. But I mean, Kirsten Dunst is in the third one. Wow. Yeah, they got good people into it. It's just the writings never, never worked. And which is a really funny is this movie. If you played, uh, if, if when you watched The Crow, it was such a culture impact in the you know ni- by ninety six and ninety seven that hell when I was playing Vampire the Masquerade games and I was out there uh, doing the LARPs and and I'm yeah I'm that much of a nerd that I was out LARPing and playing on river walks and stuff like that and we had our trench coats and I'd be a storyteller and about every sixth player that came up to play in the game had the last name of like Eric Draven was playing uh, uh, a wraith or wanted to play a risen uh, which are basically creature types and game lines that were almost directly derived from the plot and the canon set in this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so universally beloved by a specific crowd. <laughs> by a very specific crowd, yes. <laughs> well, it does sound like that's the reason why the 2019 uh, Crow movie fell apart. Uh, I saw a little thing that was like, Jason Momoa, I really wanted to do this, but it's a mess. <laughs> so no. Oh, no. Yeah, it really uh, sounds like the whole just lost in La Mancha like craziness except that they actually ended up making the film they they managed to make the film yeah well and that's the thing is they didn't uh like I said before <laughs> Brandon Lee died and the studio was just like all right can it shelve it uh and oh. it was another studio that bought all of the uh the footage and then figured out how to uh write in the the missing parts and CG in the the couple of shots that still needed Brandon Lee and wow. uh, that's I guess there's some narration in here that is there because of the second studio's purchase of the almost canned film. It wasn't that you said this was released in '94. Brandon Lee died in March of '93. Okay, well, yeah. So, this, it was, so it wasn't that long, but yeah. Still good. There was I mean, a there was a there was a push from the Lee family to try to get the movie out there. I believe. I think they have like a foundation and a, a whole setup mm-hmm. for it. Because I mean, Brandon Lee's Bruce Lee's son. Son. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we said that yet. I think <laughs> I didn't know that. I was wondering. Yeah, Bruce Lee's son. Uh, previously, you know, in in some fighting movies, and they, uh, um, what was it? Uh, o- Obar uh, was not sure if he was the right guy for this. Because he was like, I don't want The Crow to be a karate movie. Uh, but he really liked the makeup. And I guess Brandon Lee was super dedicated to it. Like, they put the the face makeup on him. And uh, they uh, they didn't like the way that the, uh, the fake roughing up of the face paint looked. So uh, one, of a, one of the trivia notes was that he... Uh, they changed his setup so that they would put his makeup on at the end of the day. And he'd go home and sleep in the makeup. And come back in with like messed up Ugh. face makeup from Ugh. having slept in it, and then they touch it up. <laughs> that can't be healthy. How did they keep continuity? Yeah, that's a they good also, question. 
they also had a uh, a mask of his face uh, that they would like place over and like for the the places that would that had been affected during previous shots. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. So is the uh, Heath Ledger Joker makeup kind of inspired by this makeup? Because there's definitely some like similarities. That's interesting. Uh, I, I can I could see how it's an interesting theory. I could see it, but yeah, going from like we could the, start that theory here, though. Yeah, I heard it here first. <laughs> I, I was just looking up. I, I'm not even a huge fan. Uh, when did Sting the wrestler first start? Because his oh makeup or the Undertaker? Weird. Come on, the Undertaker. Yeah. Mm. So Sting the wrestler debuted in November of 1985. Oh. So I mean, I don't know if you look exactly like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, and then the Joker's been around longer than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that I'm not sure, you know, like they definitely, the stylistic makeup in the Nolan film is very stylistic. I don't, I mean, I could be wrong. I feel like it looks different than the comics though, but. Oh yeah, for sure. I think yeah, every, everything is different in, in the, the post Nolan world, you know, <laughs> whatever whatever he was inspired by it doesn't matter because he's the one that inspired everybody now uh but <laughs> <laughs> my other alex proyas fact was uh it's his fault that brandon lee died uh okay <gasps> i was gonna be- ask like because i know i heard what i heard in film school but i'm curious if that's what's true well okay so there's like the literal of who's at fault which is the prop master uh, mm-hmm. mishandling the actual gun that they were using. Uh, but the the shot where Brandon Lee was uh, killed originally didn't have a gun being fired at him. And they changed it uh, like immediately before the shot. Uh, mm. uh, wow. Alex Proy's re- request. I know I'm fucking up the flow here because we've been all over the place, but I just want to do a correction in real time so no one ats me on Twitter. <laughs> um, Sting was first wrestling in the 80s, but it was 1996 when he first debuted the look these may be most famous for, which is the... And, and this even says Crow-inspired, so Sting oh. did take it. Down. Oh, ah, okay. There you that go. That was the wrestler I was thinking of. Okay, all right. <laughs> Wait, but I want to go back to the the gun, because like okay. I feel like I've heard two different versions. One, yeah, I've me heard too. that someone put a real bullet in the chamber... And then the other version I've heard is that it something went wrong, that there was a blank, but something went wrong with the blank. Both. Both are true. What? Um, oh. So there was uh there were two shots that were filmed with this gun. One where uh they the gun was held too close to the camera to use a blank. Like apparently you can see the the bullet or whatever, it's like in oh. the gun. So they used an an empty shell with a real bullet in it for that shot. And uh-huh. then uh, the gun was cocked and the weapons master, I guess had left the set. So the prop master was the one handling the weapon and no. they, they uh, fired the gun with the, with the empty shell in it uh, and it knocked the bullet loose. And so they pulled the fake shell out, but the bullet was still in the barrel of the gun. Then they put in their blank cartridge that had gunpowder and no bullet. Uh, but oh, with the bullet still in the barrel of the gun, and that's when they filmed that other shot. That's what happened. This is why you need a weapons master at all times. Yeah, I feel like if there's one role, I know like director, I mean, but if there's one role or like, and because they aren't even using the gun at all times, it it's like 
if the gun is on set, the weapons master there because it's not there yeah. all the time, right? Because well, the gun's not there all. Yeah. What what the scenario Brett just gave is super illegal. You you should like they should not have been using the weapon. No one should touch the weapon besides the weapons master and the actor that's you know acting with the weapon. Also pretty standard procedure safety practice is you never actually point any weapon at another actor. Like they are always supposed to be pointing off to the side and you just use camera tricks and angles to make it look like they're pointing at him. So like there were two mistakes made here, you know, like number one, uh, three, 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 yeah. cocaine. That's, <laughs> and cocaine. Don't forget about the cocaine. I guess that answers everything. Doesn't it? And when the weapons master was going to get some more cocaine. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of the the rumors about the aftermath of this is, uh, you know, because I, I actually wasn't able to find a source on it. But apparently a lot of those uh, industry rules. standard safety mm. rules popped up because of this. That makes uh, sense. But uh. also part of me is just like, you know, I've helped out on uh, not just not just yours for the listener, not Ash's movies, uh, but other people's projects. And like ain't nobody ever doing anything by the rules. Everything's always like illegal and bad. We were shooting somewhere and they wanted to put like they wanted to bypass the fuse and the circuit breaker because the lights were oh overheating it. And it's just like people are just going to do whatever. And it's it's insane. Hollywood's dumb as I mean, I literally, like, I just, at the end of July, Zombie Dyke got into the Gen Con Film Festival, and so I was attending a bunch of panels, and uh, Rose was too. Rose is the writer-producer of Zombie Dead, and she was on this one panel where this, like, they were talking about guns on set, and, like, two of the filmmakers were just blatantly talking, like, advising you to do stupid shit they're like oh just find an alleyway and just shoot like you don't have to tell the cops that you're sh-. and i was like this is how people are shot and killed because you have your actor running around with a gun and you didn't tell the police and like i was like in the comments like no don't do that and rose is like that's super not safe like don't do that it's uh, also super illegal like yes. in most mm-hmm. cities it is illegal to discharge a firearm which also includes bow and arrows. They oh, are considered a firearm. Yeah. But yeah I mean, I you shouldn't know. have a real weapon on set. Uh, it's not even just weapons. But- it's I feel like there's too many directors and like, honestly, crew that are willing to just do whatever the director says that are willing mm-hmm. to put actors in danger. Uh, and the one I always come back to is that whole uh, Twilight Zone movie thing with, with uh, John Landis and him being a scumbag. Uh, got all of the principal actors killed for one of the shorts uh, because he flew a helicopter at them. And uh, oh, that's right. We talked yeah. about this Wait, before, what? didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Twilight Zone movie, like the the yeah, John <laughs> Landis. Like, he killed, what the? He, he, wait, what? He, he, yeah, John oh, yeah. Landis should not be allowed horrifying. to make movies. Uh, and, and another should have soon. Yeah, all all the the Landis folk. It like malfunctioned, right, or something. But it was flying like a helicopter above, low above water is dangerous, and right. the helicopter just dipped and crashed into the water, and the, the propeller blades just chopped everyone in half. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember Ugh. the name of the actors, but it was you know, it was uh, kids. There was yeah, there was kids. Uh, <sighs> like it was super fucked up, uh, and they, you know, it's just like oh yeah, that was an accident. Like move on with the filming. Like this, I don't get how you can be that flagrant with. <laughs> yeah. 
people's yeah. lives. Yeah, Rick, say, if you're not familiar, just Google. I'll, I'll look into that like, right yeah. after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> wild. That, that, but helicopters that, are that is going to be an internet search. Dude, helicopters are helicopters dangerous. are terrifying. Yeah, yeah they I are have, trying have, to kill you the moment you take off. Yeah, <laughs> I have I, I have friends in 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 uh, the service and the armed forces, and they're like. Don't ever do them. Like, and this, you have no choice. Like, don't go, ever go out of your way to go in a helicopter. They are death traps. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it's I'm the good. it's the whole backup plan thing. Like, if the if the one thing stops spinning, you die. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least on a plane, it's got two engines, maybe four engines. Uh, you want to get on a single engine a plane? Bit. That's like, your fault, yeah. bud. Like, well, and it's also like you you pick up like a draft right with a helicopter, and it'll just like. It just blows you over, which is why, like, it's the most dangerous thing to do in Hawaii is more people die in helicopter accidents than anything else in Hawaii because they're, like, going down into these valleys and, like, just a gust of wind comes through and it'll knock the helicopter into the side of a mountain or something. Yeah, you ain't going to catch me in a helicopter. No, thank you. I really don't want to do it, though. I really do. <laughs> I, I have been skydiving, bungee jumping. I've been through a lot of other things. Um, I have yet to ride in a helicopter. So I haven't ridden in a helicopter either. I've ridden in a three-person plane, which was terrifying and super fun, though. I have flown my own like wing glider once, uh, like Ooh, those. Jesus, you know. Wow. So I, I've done that, uh, and I even did the you know those like um, parachute. Like jump shoots that you wear and you pretend to like fly like a, fly. Oh, yeah. like a squirrel, squirrel suit. suit? Uh, yeah. yeah, squirrel suit. I, I I got to do one of those in Colorado, and oh, wow. that was oh, pretty crazy. So, like out of a plane? Uh, no, you just climb up high under this really high like valley, oh. and then you just like fly down through the valley, and you're never really that high above the ground. So, gotcha. if you do fall, uh, one of my friends she fell when she was going through it, and she had a you know a crazy tumble, and she broke like a rib, but that was. That was it. That was like the worst of it. Oh, You're not broke a rib or whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. She was fine. She didn't even realize like, she broke a rib was, until later on when she was drinking later. It was only so. kind of sort of poking through the skin. It uh, wasn't like just a little bit. When like, measured like against centimeter. the usual yeah. injury of falling off a cliff, the rib, one rib is, <laughs> seems true. pretty minor. Yeah, in, in perspective. <laughs> um. What else you got for us? Oh boy! I mean, almost all the all the things I found were just this movie was a disaster and a curse. Um, and well, I think- it's like ironic, right? Like that he dies, and that's like kind of part of the plot too. Like it does feel mm. cursed. I, I want to hear from Rick a little bit about like so. Obviously, this movie we did a poll, listener, as, as many most of you probably already know because you probably participated in the poll, but. We almost just went with the crow because Rick, when we first were talking about this in the email or when I first talked to you about it, just in text before you even did a group email, you were like, oh, it's easy. The crow is what you want to do. Right. So obviously this movie has a special place in your heart. So um, uh, tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Right? So when I had watched the movie, I rented it from a VHS store uh, that like this local video shop and I watched it and I instantly fell in love with it. I called my friend over him and I watched it called my girlfriend and and his girlfriend over then the the three there were four of us watched it then we watched it again the weekend after and I was going to say is this shortly, all the same day <laughs> Yeah that that was all the same day uh and it was the music that really got me about the soundtrack and then uh throughout high school I mean I did I started dressing up 
as the crow when I would go for Halloween. It started one year for Halloween and I dressed up like the crow, like pretty much that Halloween right after. And then for Valentine's Day at our high school, people were supposed to wear a mask and I didn't have anything. So I just put on my crow makeup and, (laughs) you know, went uh, as the crow again on Valentine's Day and uh, gave out black roses to girls that I had crushes on. Um, Like, and it sort of started from there where every year on Halloween or actually on October 30th for 10 years straight, I watched the crow with a group of people and we would just watch this every October 30th and it had become like a tradition for us. I, I actually admit that I fell out of watching the crow uh, about maybe almost like seven, eight years ago on, on mm. Halloween. It has been a while since I've watched this movie, but I used to be able to quote it by the lines. Uh, I used to like, I got super, I have an original James O'Barr, uh, like graphic novel uh, signed by him that I'm going to met him at Comic-Con. So this was like a major part of my fandom. And I've really gotten into a lot of music because of The Crow, because the bands, you know, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, um, you know, a lot of the bands that are featured in The Crow, the soundtrack was like a gateway into larger industrial uh, and and other types of, of music. So for me, a, you know, suburban kid in, you know, Chicagoland area, uh, this movie was like absolutely something I could latch onto. And I got to the point where I remember that even in high school, when the Columbine massacre happened, uh, high schools went on a backlash against anybody who was a Marilyn Manson fan or anybody who liked the crow because they thought that, you know, we were going to be the next people to be involved in in that whole aspect. So when you think about movies and whether or not they hold up over, you know, a 10, 20 year period, uh, at the core of this movie's plot line, it's a love story. And Mm. so does that still hold up after, you know, all those times so much has changed in the past seven years, even culturally that, you know, even I'm curious to take a a rewatch, uh, with some other experts like yourself and stuff. (laughs) And especially since you guys haven't seen it yet, you know, like, I am curious to see your reactions of this, but to a, a 13, 14 year old, uh, pasty kid that really hated the massive ball of nuclear fire in the sky. This movie was (laughs) identity forming for me. This was like iconic for me. Yeah. I feel like I knew a lot of goth kids in high school who loved this movie. And it's weird that I, as also an ex goth kid did not see this movie. I don't know how I missed it because I definitely hung out with people who loved it. Um, so we'll see. I know how I missed it. It was because there, there were scarier VHS covers at the rental store. <laughs> for our younger listeners, movies. <laughs> I feel like we should just throw in, Hey, yeah, if, for our younger listeners, a VHS is like this oh, big no, blocky plastic them. rectangle. They know what it is. <laughs> listen Um, they're gonna try to explain tiktok to you and you won't understand that so calm down uh, it doesn't matter anymore right because it's gone (laughs) well it's not gone yet not yet um i already don't understand it it's okay you don't have to explain (laughs) it to me um no but that that's great right as far as like that is the kind of like the perfect candidate for this show and the concept of this show is mm-hmm. a movie you loved in your youth, but you haven't seen it in a while, you know, and 
like you're wondering how it's going to hold up. It's funny you say that in the last seven years. We've we've seen that time and time again, how much, how far we've kind of come just in the last decade. Because yeah. our, our um, episode right before this that we just recorded was a show that exactly, tur- or a movie that turned 10 exactly, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But, and even that, mm-hmm. there were some things that we were, but uh, I, I'm the only one here who has seen it before. It's been a very long time and I definitely have not seen it as much as you've seen it. Um, I think it's going to be good overall. I'll say to you, Rick, I know cause you'd love it. I want kind of a, a, a uh, it's going to be okay. We go into this <laughs> wanting to like the movie. Like we go into this. This is not a, we're going to tear movies down. We're going to go over way that we, we approach this. We want to like this movie. We want to have a good time enjoying it. Something's problematic. We're going to call it the fuck out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, uh, but well, that's why yeah. the, uh, the, the other movie in the polls were uh, the devil's advocate, which I know does mm-hmm. not hold up over. The yeah, and then on the Twitter, ju- they're like, I wish that one won just so that we could see how much does not hold up because they're I, like, I don't think it does. I want to watch that. one And eventually. then, uh, Repo the Genetic Opera is another one that's just crazy. And you either like hate it or you love it. And there, I haven't found people that are in the middle of the ground that were like, oh yeah, that, that was an okay flick. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh. Dole Whip and Dreams, another podcast on our network. Well, Maddie from Dole Whip and Dreams commented that he watched it for one of his other podcasts and he said it was a wild watch. So I'm assuming <laughs> he's in the camp of not great. <laughs> No, no, that sounds like it's a great. If you've seen, if yeah, wild true, is a baby. compliment. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Considering yeah. the movie, it's, it sounds like it's maybe got the uh, the cult following that like Heather's has because that's kind of uh, there's a crowd of people who really love Heather's and really really hate Heather's. And uh, our show was on the on the dislike side, so I wonder. Yeah, <laughs> timing was well, also not great for when we watched it. That's true. And I think like I think this movie. I mean, hopefully it's not, but like, like Heather's, it was one of those situations where most, most of us hadn't seen it. So we didn't have any like nostalgia connected to it. Like, I think a lot of the people who love Heather's have like a deep nostalgia connected to that movie. Um, And so this could be a dangerous one because like, I don't have deep nostalgia connected to this movie. I know nothing. So it will be a very honest review. <laughs> Although the thing I'm looking forward to is I feel like a lot of the movies uh, that, especially on our show that uh, have true, truly not held up have been comedies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, comedies be- are like the first to write, like make racist jokes and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like, uh, while I may not have nostalgia for this particular film, um, the the general uh, genre and and the style of of this movie, I I've seen others like it. I've seen others from the same director that I enjoyed, uh, and I feel like uh, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be dope. I didn't know about the awesome soundtrack, and uh, I mean that alone could make the whole movie. Uh, I'm very so, excited about the soundtrack for sure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm super, Oh, go ahead, Sam. I'm super excited to watch it again because I love all things that feel spooky and fall-like, and this movie is, in my imagination, exactly that. So I'm hoping and the it best Ghostbuster is also in this movie. <gasps> oh, Bill Murray? 
No. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson's in this movie too. Uh, a lot of people forget. Gotcha. Everybody focuses on 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 uh, Brandon Lee, but. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that we talked earlier about how this is the same director that did Dark City, and I really like Dark City. So I'm. I mean, everything that I said earlier, but I am. I think that it will be a net positive experience, as Pat likes to say. Like, I'm excited, and I think I'll like it, because I, too, like all the dark and spooky, um, and I really like the style this director has, so I'm excited. I actually forgot about that he directed Dark City, because, you know, I remember I went, I saw Dark City, I loved it. I don't think, as a kid, I ever really paid attention to who was really directing movies. Right, yeah. uh, Even had famous actors that I really, really followed. So I don't even think I ever knew that connection, but I did love both of them. Yeah, that was like the, in the, in the kid zone, the only director's name, like anybody knew was like Spielberg or Lucas or something. And that was cause they talked about him all the time on Animaniacs. <laughs> True. <laughs> or Tim Burton. Cause he put his name on it. Yep. Everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tim, Tim Burton was definitely, uh, you know, somebody whose films I've watched a ton of, but uh, the Animaniacs, they still, the, when the voice actors got together for like San Diego Comic-Con and did a panel, they can still sing the uh, entire America song by like all the different countries of the world <laughs> off the top of their oh. head. Wow. And awesome. that right there is just hats off. I don't want to go back and watch those. I retweeted that video last week of the uh, the America song or the all the country song, uh, but with only the countries that we can still visit from the US. <laughs> oh, is it just like there's like one, right? It's yeah, just it's like, like two just minutes of like, silence. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Pat, expectations. Um, I think it is going to overall hold up. Um I think there might be I think there's gonna be some pretty gnarly violence in it. Um hopefully it's done in like a tasteful way not like too too exploitative or anything like that if i remember it's been a very i've definitely seen this like one time all the way through and then like one or two other times like partially okay so my memory is very very fuzzy but i know there's a reason it's like a big cult following and they and they keep trying to make sequels or reboot it and um i think overall it's going to be an enjoyable experience yeah, we didn't talk about like the budget or anything, but like some a, a lot of times the budget will give you a hint as to what kind of uh choreography and effects you can expect. Uh and so for like early 90s, this had a 15 million dollar budget, which is like pretty low. Pretty low, but it's above like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It made money, looks like. It, yeah, it made eventually 50. Wow. So. Wow. But how much you gotta you just gotta wonder though how much of that box office was people that were like, That dude died. We have to go see this movie. Right? Like <laughs> I mean I'm it not always, I'm not trying to discredit the movie, or but it, like Or it could have just been a lot of fans who really just kept going to see it again and again and again. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it's, the shot like of him dying in the film? No. No? No, and oh. it doesn't exist. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was apparently destroyed as part of the lawsuit and discovery. It was like, we'll use this to settle the death claim, and then no one will ever see it. Oh, good. Yeah. 
That's good. So on that that's for the best. Note, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Let's watch this movie. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Yeah. We are going to pause the recording and go and watch The Crow, and we will be back with our thoughts. That is very good. I approve. Man. Because he because he came back and he was all dressed in black, guys. Get it? Yeah. Wow. No, yeah. Yeah. And you were a writer. We got it. Yeah. (laughs) I do words good. So as we were watching it, Brett texted me and he said, Ash, you were so right about this movie. What was I right about? Um, I don't remember. It, uh, N- Nolan's Joker, Joker is 100% inspired by this. And in oh, several right? scenes, yeah. like a direct ripoff. Like, so much. Yes. Good or, call, Or Ash. tribute. Definitely. Tribute, not ripoff. Homage. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> inspired. A shot for shot homage. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That, hey, uh, um, this is this is the thing I was accusing what, Beyonce of doing what if recently. I started uh, a business like as a, at a dairy where I was making uh, French cheeses that were tributes to other things, like I do sculptures out of French cheese that were tributes to pop culture and to be homage, fromage. Oh my god! I'll go. Ah! I'll go to bed. Yeah, bye. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, they have to be blue cheese. And then you have to sprinkle the blue cheese in your cheese with the faces of famous people. I like it. That's your homage, fromage. We. Très bien. So, what did you guys think of the movie? (laughs) Well, I I think we don't do that here, Rick. We have to address (laughs) the elephant in the room, and that this movie stole a lot from Bran. In Game of Thrones. I mean, just completely. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say The Matrix. The Warging. Uh, oh, that too. I thought you were going to say it stole a lot from We're Back, the dinosaur movie where the crows eat the bad guy at the end. Oh, sh- mm. we should totally watch that movie. I love- that movie no scared the good. shit out like, of how me How is that a kid. kid's movie? I, I don't know. I love our subtle bits that I wonder if not everyone knows their bits where like ashes where she says this thing stole something that is obviously I guarantee there's someone that doesn't know that, you know, whenever you say oh, that, no. that the thing I hope not. you're saying it stole from came out after like because you've done it like I guarantee you there's someone that doesn't know that and is like, ah, it's the, that thing came out before the other thing. Like, Nobody's angry tweeted me yet. So, yeah, That's people good. need That's to angry good. tweet ash more often. No, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, do do not do. invite the internet to angry tweet. That no. is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> then I will come for you. Uh, but but you. seriously though, that scene at the end. Uh, I guess it wasn't at the end, but it felt like it was at what could have been the end when all the not gangster gangsters. I don't know what the, what exactly their group represent. Landlords, I think, is landlords. Was this the most twenty twenty plot of any movie you've seen? <laughs> it was, oh my so, god! It was, I was like, actually twenty. It was a group was, of landlords yeah. uh, killing tenants who were trying to build tenant groups. Totally. Oh my god! The only thing that would have made it more twenty twenty is if they burnt down like the USPS 
as one of the buildings. Seriously. That I was talking about that scene at the end uh-huh. when the crow, uh, Eric DeRaven, sh- walks in. <laughs> and uh, just the framing of that shot and his whole, like, you remember, like, the Joker introduction scene when, when the gangster, when he does, yep. like, I'll make the pencil disappear. Like, shot for shot, mm-hmm. exactly the same until they all started shooting at him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His, like, mannerisms... It's yep. all, and it's great. I will say, I'll come out the gate, Rick, and I'll say, I enjoyed this movie. I yeah. thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, there, there really, there's not much to make fun of because I thought it was pretty good. Uh, hard oh, agree. I, I don't know. It, it was so good, mm-hmm. like way better than I thought. And like, yeah. I feel like it's mm-hmm. it's a movie that, uh, I mean, the Joker, just because we were talking about it, but like, uh, they basically the entire uh, opening like uh, rooftop chase scene from the Matrix with Tr- Trinity like fully uh, mm. fully his rooftop chase scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I just so so many influential images in this movie uh, that I've seen everywhere else, and I'm just shocked that I've never seen this. And like yeah. the uh, the juxtaposition of him most of the time being very like creepy and dark and angry and upset but then there's like those brief moments of him being like kind of goofy which actually aren't silly they're actually make it more scary again very joker-esque right where it's this very serious creepy mm-hmm. very ultra violent situation and he does like this weird kooky facial expression yeah like looking through your hand and stuff like that when you yes. know fun boy yeah. shoots his hand off and stuff <laughs> yes that was great which actually makes it 10 times scarier like if you were the other person like in mm-hmm. the room I'm glad you brought that up because there's like a literal save the cat or pet the cat moment like in the beginning when he first comes back cuz it's interesting we don't get to see him alive at all which is an interesting choice. Yeah. Like, so it's we all have through no, flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have no frame of reference of who he really was like a character wise before. And he even says like, I don't know who I am. So like, or I don't know what I am. Like he feels kind of like half monster, half human in this weird way. But like in the very beginning, when he first comes back and he goes back to the apartment and he finds his cat and he like pets the cat and like feeds the cat and everything to like make us be like, okay, so he is a good guy, even though he is creepy. <laughs> well, the one thing that I remembered right when I saw that cat come back out, and I remember thinking this one as a kid too, is what the hell has that cat been doing for the past year? Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Who's been feeding I it? I kind of thought the girl was feeding it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Is is the crow uh, one of the new words that we learned from our buddy Case? Is the crow an Inkadoo? Okay. I forget what that is. I don't remember what, what that that. It was like a monster from within, or a monster that reflects part of our society, oh, or something like right, that. Right. Um, it, Maybe. So the thing I was reading about the the guy who made, wrote the comic, um, what's his first name? It's Obar. Uh, James Obar. James Obar. Uh, so. This comic was, he wrote it in the aftermath of his wife's death. Uh, she, she died in a car crash, and he kind of wrote this uh, as like, yeah, how to, how to get over it, basically. Uh, but the the crow is supposedly from, like, Native American mythology, and it has a lot of the same, yep. like, afterlife oh, symbolism. That's very cool. Uh, yeah. So why the choice of, like, the mime slash uh, clown makeup? 
That was the uh, mask that he was wearing when he was around with Shelley in the flashbacks. And he was an oh, actor okay. and he was on, on stage as a musician uh, a bunch of times, but he had it there and he would often, gotcha. you know, play with it. And in the, co- in the comic book, the mask that he has was actually had a little bit more significance. It was like part of a gift. She had one as well. And they were, they were kind of matching um, in, in some capacity. Another thing I realized on watching this is do any of you guys know the name of the head villain? Okay. It's really funny you say that because no, but I, I was love look- that actor. I was looking at IMDb because there's a lot of very recognizable faces in this that I've seen yeah. in other things. And yeah, I saw mm-hmm. the name he's listed as I'm like, I don't think they say that one time in the movie. That's right. a great uh, that's a great villain name. They they never reference his name in the in the movie and I realize that I know his name. Um but his name is Top Dollar. Uh <laughs> and he's oh. he's he's it's never mentioned in there. Instead you have this like creepy incestual relationship with his sister which is just creepy. Um but uh yeah, his name is his name is Top Dollar. And they, he's they a never good mentioned villain. that in the film. He's a, he's, he is. He is. Yeah. Michael Wincott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so cool. He's also uh, in... Rochefort and Three Musketeers. Yeah, he was also in <gasps> Westworld. That's where I know him from. Oh, yeah. He's in Westworld, too. Um, he's so good. Who's he in Westworld? He, he's the... Uh, he's like the creepy old robot yeah. that they bring The one that sometimes. Anthony Hopkins talks to in the basement. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I would have Old never Bill known that. or something. That's right. I was thinking about. I was thinking Waterworld at first. Uh, he's also in a, a, <laughs> a movie we've done on this show, the um, Costner, Robin Costner, Costner Robin Hood. Oh, oh right. He's uh, yes. guy of uh, was it guy of some guy of Gisborne. He's he's like the sheriff's like main lackey. Right. Talk about amazing bone structure. My God. <laughs> yeah. I want to know, is that his real hair? I hope I'm not. pretty sure he had like extensions in because you could kind of see like part of the hair. Sometimes you could see stopped here and then it kept going. So I think they put extensions in his hair. I'm Googling. Is that Michael Wincott's real hair in the crow? <laughs> Speaking of the the special effects, though. Uh, the amount of combing that is in this movie is nuts. There, it's and it's great, it's so good for the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was worried when you were saying like, oh, a studio bought it and then they use special effects. Like, I could not tell you when it was a special effect, Brandon Lee, and when it wasn't. The like, I felt like it all worked really well together. So the thought that this is 1994 and they did not have their main actor that shot where uh he's deciding to paint his face where he smashes the mirror mm-hmm. and you see his uh-huh. reflection in all of the broken pieces of the mirror all comp that was not whoa yeah. yep. wow Damn. but see th- what they what they were doing were they t- comping in actual footage right it's not like they made cg no they didn't have that shot that was uh, i don't think i don't know if it was cg i don't know how they did it but they did not have footage for that uh wow yeah that's amazing so another thing that i i realized when in in rewatching this again uh and i even when i had last seen the film uh you know i 
the time has not gone by long enough for me to truly have an appreciation from when I watched it to be able to see it again. But there was a scene where they're all taking shots and they're shooting bullets at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And as I've gotten older and I've had plenty of shots, I realize one, how incredibly stupid is that? But B <laughs> like that has just gotta be like an awful experience. And he puts the cigar out on his tongue when, when T-Bird uh, does it, which that may be like re cringe again. But also when you think about it and I, I rewatched the entire movie, I think the scene that, I really got me the most out of all the deaths and the revenge that uh, Eric inflicts upon everybody who caused him pain. It was T-Bird's death that I think was the most satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, was that the car? Well, that was yeah. the car when yeah. he's actually like quoting, you know, abashed the devil stood and stuff like that. And he's like, it goes off and, and through the Harbor and explodes. And there's the, you know, takes the, uh, that what is it that the grill oil that lights yeah. up on fire <laughs> uh, oh, makes it makes the so bird cool. but that was i think one the most cathartic punishment although i did laugh when you know i, I did laugh again at the gruesome joke of tintin getting stabbed with all of his organs in alphabetical order um when, <laughs> when the cops made uh, made that joke but yeah anyway go ahead so there's so many recognizable faces. Um, T-Bird, he was, I feel like he's been a scumbag in a ton of things. Do you know what his first acting credit was? The guy who played hmm. T-Bird? Uh, the actor's name is um, David Patrick Kelly. And his very first actor, he is the he's the, the guy from the Warriors who's got the bottles on his fingers. Warriors, oh. come out to play. <laughs> like, that's his very first acting credit. the Warriors. It's I think weird. you guys need to do a rewatch of Warriors. It's weird. Yeah. Um, it is weird, <laughs> but so many, I just, I have so many different castings pulled up here. Cause like, I've seen that person and stuff. I've seen that person and stuff. Like, I know we didn't really talk Tin, too much about the cast beforehand. Tintin is Lord Nikon in hackers. Uh, yeah. And it's essential uh, yes. It's because all of the actors were like people you've seen in stuff, but not people who have like been in stuff. If you, if mm-hmm. there's a difference, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and freaking Tony Todd, the Candyman himself is his uh, number one henchman. Oh wow! What what did the the like weird sister chick like? Has she been in anything else? Because she was Biling. Yeah, she's been in stuff. Pretty creepy and good. Do you want me to pull well. up and give you like her? I got it. Okay, I got it. And uh, while you're looking that up, Michael Wincott, uh, he ad libbed most of his lines. All those, really? all those, mono, all those monologues and those evil, yeah. He had lived most of that. The the thing says the script just says wow. Michael mumbles evilly. He'll make something. He did up. it, man. He's great. She was in Crank, High Voltage. I don't remember. I didn't much I don't of that, that movie, one. but I've I've seen it. I don't. I don't think I. Re- I'm like you. I don't remember much of it, other yeah. than it was crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've not seen the sequel. I've seen the first one. You know what feels like extra tragedy about this movie is that uh, Brendan Lee did such a good job. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Like, I just I feel like when I tweeted the poll, like a couple people, you know, commented and um, 
somebody was like, you know, isn't it so sad to think like, what will we have today if he didn't die? And it's like, totally. it's, it feel, it's interesting, like him and Heath Ledger, they feel very similar and like, God, you guys are both so good and taken so early. Just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Really sad. And it was because the movie started and I was like, this is interesting, but they're not really giving him a lot of lines. But like every every time they gave him the opportunity to like speak and interact with people, uh, it was just like this is like mm-hmm. uh, especially for like the the kind of movie and like budget movie this is. It's like this is next level, like next level acting in a movie oh, that yeah. doesn't even call for it, but you're doing it, bud. But uh, storytelling-wise, uh, one of the other things you mentioned is the way the movie opens, normally a lot of movies open with your heroes and they're doing their thing and you get to learn about the character's backstory and stuff yeah. to this point. Uh, you really don't actually see Eric really in full mode until he actually is killing Tintin, which is about a half right. hour and, and 30 minutes into the or, or so into the movie. And that's the first time he's really actually talking as a character. And so that's a long time for a a main character's lead in. It's more world setting uh, around Mm -hmm. it. So, well, and it's like spending time, like investing in like the girl, you know, because that's where this goes is that the protagonist of this tale is arguably not necessarily Eric Draven, it is actually. the uh the right the, the, the girl sarah, the girl. sarah. Mm-hmm. um be, because she also in the sequel she's like the main character right so oh interesting yeah totally and that's something i feel like that's maybe an interesting comic book movie thing because i can't remember exactly which ones but there's been a couple of comic book movies i've seen where i'm like where's the main character and we're like 20 minutes in and then the main character shows up and it's like oh interesting what an interesting way to break from the stereotypical hero's journey you know like the hero's journey would have been like the first person we see is the main character you know uh, establish his 10 minute backstory have your talk with uh somebody that's going <laughs> to give you some supernatural things experience his pain in hell before he crawls back out and that's his journey back home yeah like you you could do it with all of the the cycles with with Eric Draven, but they don't. They just cut right to he's killing people. All right, like they <laughs> yeah. just they just go right to that point of he's going there. And I also, you know, like on the rewatch, I loved that he went after Gideon's pawn shop and was like, no, each one of these things is a life. You're you're. He wasn't just getting people that were directly responsible. He ended up going after all of the evil landlords, the entire corrupt society. Uh, that was that was around him. I mean, I think the movie setting obviously is far darker than the '90s. I remember, but you know, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it, <laughs> Brett, I'm really surprised. I'm just going to jump to it that we've gone this far, and you have not come with one of your classic gripes: the the everything is trash. Uh, oh yeah, late yes, '80s, early true. '90s, the aesthetic where everything looks like. Sh- in the background and everything is dirty and it's like that that original ninja turtles and demolition man and uh mm-hmm. and i noticed even that the cops like apartment like they just like threw shit on the couch <laughs> i was like why why is there like there was like a trombone and like a basketball just on his couch and i was like why he didn't have he internet. Plays the trombone clearly yeah. Uh, oh yeah and there's also no internet yeah <laughs> 
So you gotta have and side hobbies. While while I did notice the uh just the ton of trash in this movie, it actually felt a little different from the standard everything is trash world. And it was like this is a world like filled with trash, but it was I think it's believable trash. Like in the, the right. post apocalyptic movies, the nightclub was trash. they actually yeah they had the uh, the the security guards had the atomic nuclear waste and they're just like waste and trash on them there was that was a detail i noticed this time around i feel Uh, like it was more industrial though right like it wasn't just trash it was like industrial broken down there was like motivation for the trash i guess yeah and that's that's usually what my gripe is is like there's you know you're out in the desert and there's piles of trash everywhere like how did it even get there like what? What are we doing? Uh, but this is just like no. This is like th- there's the trash was usually located near or or adjacent to or inside of dumpsters. Like they're in the alley and there's just a dumpster and then trash everywhere. Or like you know I don't know. I've been I've been downtown. There's trash on the ground. I would like to write a movie where. It just points out all these gripes that we all have about movie <laughs> stereotypes. You just got to find the uh, 100 evil overlord list that's out there on the internet and then just make your movie down from the line of 100 evil overlords. <laughs> yep. What about music? It was pretty good. It was. It was a good playlist. I, I, I wish we could have. I mean, we did get to see him play the electric guitar a little bit, but like I was, I was kind of. And we did, I mean, we did hear his band on the album, but like, I was like, ah, oh, I wish we could have heard, like, seen him on stage with the band, like, playing a song, maybe in a flashback or something. Especially because I noticed that T-Bird taps on his, um, his, the band's photo uh, when he's walking through the yeah. nightclub where Darla's mom is, is at, so... Mm-hmm. Like or no, when he's walking into the nightclub where Top Dollar's at, Eric Draven's band had played there at one point. Right. So you know what's really interesting about the music choices in the movie and and how they used it as part of the soundtrack is uh, all the songs were awesome, but all of the awesome songs, none of them were uh, Eric's uh, background music. It was always the music that the villains oh, yeah. were choosing to listen to. Uh, like it was, it was their choice for villainous music, you know? Yeah. It was, it was all, it it was always setting based except for the nine inch nails and the cure, which were kind of always around, uh, you know, Eric. So yeah, they're just hanging out. They're always around. But yeah, most of the, most of the other, uh, music choices were. Yeah, motivated by the scene and like, or or in the club itself. Or uh, hey, it was that movie that I it was the, I, where I first heard uh, Stone Temple Pilots. So oh, really? Uh, now, granted, it's funny. I I oh yeah, that that movie was the first movie place I ever heard of Stone Temple Pilots, and I mean, I knew of the Cure uh, beforehand, um, and I had never really listened to Nine Inch Nails. I think I started listening to them much much more after this movie, but. Um, Stone Temple Pilots and My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult were bands that I had grown to love afterwards after I, I had heard them and bought the soundtrack for this one. Now, you know, it's funny as I know that's like I was like, I became a goth after this and, and this was my like, you know, movie. And sure, I know that goths have been around since like the freaking 70s. And I know that like, you know, what it is. But I was a kid, right? I was a kid playing Turtles. And then I saw this movie and I was like, I really like this. This explains like. This is just a movie that I liked, and yeah, I don't know. I just kind of went from there. But 
The closest thing to goth I ever got was having Raphael be my favorite Ninja Turtle because he was all moody. And shit. <laughs> I was all I about it. Donatello and Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> you would. No, guys, they spell it out for you in the theme song. Raphael is cool, but rude. They just they say he's cool. Like, how do you not? <laughs> uh, Kid Pat's just there ready to take their word for it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he is. He's like, cool. I gotta go with Raphael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so cool. He's he's a tough guy. He's got attitude. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a question for people who maybe remember the '90s better than I do. Was terrible lip liner just like a thing? Because everyone's lip liner in this movie is crazy. <laughs> well, I had no idea how to put on my lip liner. I mean, even though I was doing Rocky Horror Picture shows and things like that, every time I wore. <laughs> lip liner and or even lipstick i was always messing that up uh, so i did notice that when we first meet Bai Ling's character she's getting out of the shower but she has a full face of makeup on she, when yeah. she gets in the bed and her, her oh. hair is still damp from the shower and yes <laughs> uh that's and waterproof her lip liner makeup, is like baby. a full like half inch over her lip <laughs> like it's ridiculous Mm. it could have been on before and she just didn't wash her face look they were doing as we talked about earlier on that this movie featured um the set workers were doing a lot of cocaine the two main (laughs) villains were doing mountains of scarface level do you think that was real (laughs) yeah that's true i was the props master accidentally left his stash and he's like is it the fake one or my actual stuff which one and that's why all that's the lines the real were reason improv. why he ad-libbed yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's why the improv is there boom love it yeah. exactly he, he had lines he didn't say any of them <laughs> <laughs> i do like that what it, that wasn't planned or they weren't they, after the fact they're just like yeah we meant to do that it's great <laughs> I love this idea of like the director being like, cool, 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 Michael. So you know your lines and everything for the scene? And he's like, yeah, totally. Got him. And then he just does whatever he wants. And the director's like, okay. Or, there, or, right. or there's literally like 137 hours of footage on the cutting room floor of him just, right. just monologuing for hours on end. Oh, my God. Uh, I, but. I have a question. Um, yes. This is important. Does do you okay. does everyone here think? I want to know, like in the lore of the crow, does the crow itself, the the bird crow, not not Eric as the crow, does the crow right. know that its mortal and its mortality is tied to the human crow? I don't know because if the crow knows, the crow needs to do a better job of getting the fuck out of the way, not Cut like of the way, go, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be like. Uh, if they're in there, go get them, human version. I'm going to hang back here because I'm the thing that's keeping us both alive. So In the comic books, the the crow itself is, is you know, sort of the, the weakness of of these, these people. Because there's multiple comics and there's multiple movies as well. It's always the same weakness. You could, you know, the eyes steal the power. There is, there is some of this, right? It's a, a collection of random occult legends. Uh, you know, some of mm. them come back to, oh, the crow used to, you know, the Native Americans said this. And others times it's just sort of oozed urban folklore that has, you know, brought things together. Um, in the game that came out, I think right around this time or shortly afterwards, uh, Wraith the Oblivion, uh, they actually mm. have the, uh, they have the, Wraith, you play a person who's dead, 
and you can come back to life in the body of somebody else. You have the ability to heal yourself. It's basically, hey, I want to play, you know, the crow. And the the actual animal companion that you get when you come back out is a part of your own soul. And it is like the darker, Ah. more like vengeful half. And so what you don't know, what you what you are unaware of, you know, even the other part of you is also unaware of. So in this sense, the crow isn't aware that it can be shot, killed, stole, because it's basically you um, that's that's guiding that part of your soul back to to keep you going. Because once your task is done and your um, pathos and angst is is resolved, you transcend, you you go away, you get to go into the light and you know rest, which is what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah, I loved the the shots, like how they portrayed that he could see through the crow's eyes, like with all the close-ups of the crow and then like the heavily, the crow eye and then his eye and then the heavily like stylized crow vision. Watching the powers that (laughs) he he has. uh, First off, the crow can apparently find some really nice boots in uh, dumpsters. Uh, because like <laughs> yeah, that right. was like like it was the crow who found the boots. It was the crow who let him home. Uh, apparently, though, uh, other powers that aren't really referenced. I mean, everybody knows. Oh, he can heal, and he just kind of keeps keeps going. But the other subtle powers is one: the ability to vanish into thin air. That he does. Oh yeah. Uh, he he does it a few times. He just falls out of a window and just is gone. Or he like, and I always wondered like. Even when I was a kid watching this, did he turn into a ghost? Did he, you know, what happens there? And then obviously the other one he does is where he reverses the heroine uh, out of Marla uh, in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's got, he's got other powers that I wonder if he didn't get defeated or if his quest never came to an end, what kind of superhero he would have developed into. Because I mean, he's totally clearly in the Punisher line of, you know, anti-heroes that are going to go mm-hmm. out and, and inflict vengeance rather than, or justice as it were. And, but his other powers that he has, I would have been curious to see how far they would have gone if he had continued to develop them. Like that super sick guitar shredding. <laughs> That's a power in and of itself. He's a bard, clearly. <laughs> or is it, well, or is he a warlock? He has the familiar. Oh. He can multi-class. <laughs> He's a bard lock. I, I hate to bring it up because it is a sore spot in our history, but this movie to me was like the correct version of the revenge, like guy going after the bad guy version that boondock saints messed up horribly (laughs) yeah (laughs) this i was like yes this is what i want you know like he has great motivation all of the people you know and even even with the um pawn the pawn store guy getting the store the pawn store uh i was like you know, I was a little on the fence, but then he was like, each of these are someone's life that you ruined. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm on and, board, you know, and, murder him. <laughs> but he doesn't. Uh, the pawn store guy true. dies and gets killed by Top Dollar after Top Dollar reveals that, hey, I got a freaking awesome wall filled with a bunch of swords for some reason. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, his so. Hattori Hanzo katana. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, he doesn't, he, he lets him go. 
right? He was just a merchant, a peddler, but he punishes I him, mean, destroys his place. He does blow up the building with him in it. I think mm-hmm. he was intended. He didn't on know that back door him. was open. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that stunt, though, was that because they used a lot of miniatures in this movie. Uh, and I couldn't tell from how quick that shot was on screen, but that explosion went around the actor who was there. So was it right shot in mini, or what did they do? I kind of want to go back and rewind oh, and check that know. one out again because that w- was watching that and I was just like that didn't just explode in the background; it ate him. Like holy crap! <laughs> well, they were early on in the very beginning with the buildings that are on fire. That that's all like uh, compositing as well. So like they did some really good compositing in this movie. I wonder if it's just a composite. I mean, that probably, one didn't look like it, it, but the other ones definitely. Yeah. Rick, if you don't know mm-hmm. half these technical filmmaking terms, it's okay, but <laughs> I I totally understand every word that you have I'm said. You. No, yeah, a hundred percent. The show is stri- you right this now. Is, no, I'm just. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm loopy tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the show is three people with backgrounds in professional filmmaking and me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've made a short film now. Yeah. Well, in process, well, it's, still, making in, it. it's yeah. still in the oven. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. And it's going to be gorgeous. But the, uh, the number of miniature sets that they zoomed through and you know, basically every wide shot of the city was actually just a miniature. Wow. Uh, it was, it was really cool. Like really it, all those like aerials, aerial shots and all that stuff. There's just, yeah. yeah well, you think towns. they flew between the buildings? Yeah, with the crow with the they, they, maybe they had a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. They were all miniatures, which is, just, I don't know. It, being in the uh, the stopmo space that we're in, trying to build sets and stuff, it's just like looking at a whole city like that. It's just oh, that's it's cool and kind of like the only way you can get the amount of shots that they got and the scale of the shots that they got on the budget they had. Mm-hmm. I I liked. Well, the, they do that in Dark City too, right? Yeah, I think so. There's I like the creepy the creepy whim is like creepy whimsical creepsical vibe Mm -hmm. of the city of those and i was like you know if you just went a little more fantastical you could have fucking jack skeleton appear on one of those rooftops and start singing is the vibe (laughs) i got sometimes (laughs) totally very like it was it was almost it was like a grounded it was like grounded burton-esque you know what i'm saying like take without the fantasticalness more like batman tim burton yeah 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 like the first batman Mm mm-hmm and they totally. had a few shots that transitioned from like huge, uh, you know, m- miniature wide shots into live action. Uh, like there's a few at the graveyard where as they're panning down, it's like this is not the real thing. And then as they pan in, out of the way they cut it, made it look like they were zooming into a, a person, but it was it was the miniatures and uh, I don't know the 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 technical end of this is more clever than it looks. Uh, I, I was I was excited. Totally. About it. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole movie is so stylized and it makes total sense knowing now it's like oh it's the same director as Dark City cuz like it just gives total Dark City vibes and it also kind of gave I mean it's not quite as like pretty lighting wise as Blade Runner but it gave me kind of 
Blade Runner vibes with some of the shots and composition and and mm-hmm. a little bit of the lighting. You know, I mean, Blade Runner is like really playing and painting with light, but um, right. but this, you know, there were elements of it there for sure. The the movie also made me really really want a uh, Chicago style hot dog though. You know it wasn't in Chicago as soon as Ernie right. Hudson started putting ketchup on that motherfucker. Yep. And, that and, in Chicago. Uh, Get out of here. No, I, yeah, 100%. That's not a Chicago. Like, that, that's why I was watching. I was like, God, I could really go for like a classic like Chicago style mm. dog right you now. You can. Because you you live within a. Yeah, I, I know. I can, you son of a. So jelly. Wait, Just so what is a Chicago style hot dog? So oh, in the right, okay in the movie yeah he takes on he he hasn't put the ketchup and then he wants the mustard on the bun first and he loads up with onions but a Chicago style hot dog is mustard relish uh, sport peppers with a pickle uh, Wait, and I'm sorry um, sport peppers yeah they're, they're like, like these little crunchy spicy peppers they're like okay, spicier yeah. than a banana pepper but not as spicy as like a serrano or jalapeno a jalapeno or yeah I like the peppercini kind oh. of things. They're kind of pepperoni, yeah. yeah. They're kind of pepperoni, like, yeah. So diced tomatoes, onions, relish. Wait, was that it? No, uh, diced so mustard, oh. relish, diced tomatoes, <laughs> diced onions, the peppers, pickle, a, a whole pickle spear. Yeah, I was gonna say yep, fair whole, warning. A whole spear. If you ever order a vegetarian Chicago right. dog, I remember that. Saying. Oh, I remember it's you. Yeah, just a pickle. It's all that, just about the hot dog. It's yeah, except they give yeah. you a whole pickle, not yeah, just one piece. Oh my god, I googled it. This looks incredible. Yeah, <laughs> this looks amazing. So it's like delicious. There are like local, local, local spots that people are like, "This is a spot." I mean, for an easy, accessible. Portillo's is phenomenal. It's a huge chain now. How but do they you still... fit this in your mouth? It it's takes... huge. I believe Pat's they made a about that in the movie. <laughs> not taking that bait. I'm not hitting that pinata. I'm not hitting that pinata. Get it out of here. That's an inappropriate pinata. <laughs> yeah, Portillo's is amazing. Is it a pinata? Uh, yeah, no, because when he... No. Uh, watching him outside of uh, Mickey's when she first skates up. And also uh, I loved uh, just catching up on how many times Sarah got yelled at for skating into the street because every time she's got a scene, there's always some background car that's screaming at her to get out of the street or like honking Mm -hmm. their horn that she's, she's there. That was just a thing I I picked up uh, on on this one too. I I thought she looked very familiar, that actress. And then she's not, she only has like four or five IMDb credits and she's, she did nothing after this until Oh nine. Oh, and now she's, she's pretty she's, good, but she's filming something right now called revenge of the devil bat. Ooh. It's is in she, fil- it's is she really filming. filming it? It's listed as film. Mm. I mean, yeah, I that, know that sounds like the name it? of a movie. I would say at the end of the show, I was just going to say that it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how she's like way ahead of her time with her like half shaved head hairstyle mm-hmm. and yeah sam pretty much has that haircut right now yeah her undercut was a little lower mine goes higher up but it's a good good summer haircut too bad it's always raining in their town <laughs> that is one of the things oh, that yeah. i like about this movie and also dark city and i haven't seen any other uh, uh of this director's other films but uh it, 
if he continues on the trend, I kind of want to check him out. The, uh, you know, in, in a world where, sure, daytime exists, but we don't need to see it, you know. <laughs> That's true. Well, to be fair to Dark City, literally they live. Uh, oh, spoilers. They, well, <laughs> so, We're going to so, watch so, it on the show. But if, spoilers if, of the 25-year-old movie. Now that you guys have seen this one, you can go watch The Crow, uh, City of Lost Angels, and see Iggy Pop in all of his weirdness. And you can follow <laughs> the, uh, the story of Sarah as another tragedy happens in her life. And, oh, uh, poor Sarah. Uh, uh, another, there's, a, there, there's another crow that you know, gets, gets brought back and, and more revenge is, is, is wrought. And then there's the other sequels that come after that. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wait, this director did I robot. I'm sorry. Yes. I, what? Yeah, too. I just looked it up. I now, robot. That's, the Will okay. Smith joint. Yes. It's so random anyway. And also the knowing. I don't know that one. Anyway. That's the one where Nick Cage, like, knows the yep. future but only a few seconds ahead of time <laughs> sounds like, about right so, i mean i have that power like <laughs> <laughs> but he can use it to like dodge a bullet <laughs> yeah <sighs> all right like he knows someone is trying to snipe him from a far away and he like whoa whoa and misses i've actually not seen the whole movie i've seen like five minutes of it yeah it just sounds like you'd have to go out of your way to write a plot where it made it look like not just paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's, he thinks he has the superpower. I was like, yeah, man, no, we all like, we all just know what's happening. He spent like most of his life. That car is going to drive when the light turns green. Yeah, we know, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> Should we do final so, thoughts? Yeah, or no, sure. do another pot? Or do you have a thought? I was just going to ask Rick if he's thought. seen all the others. All I the have other watched every one of them very, very painfully. Oh, wow. Now, granted, the worst part is, is after I watched the second one, I was definitely like, oh, my God, what have they done? And then I watched the third one late years later, and I went back and I rewatched the second one, and I'm like, man, the second one is Wait. so much cooler. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> you oh. did not tell us there was a Canadian TV show of this. Oh, yes. What? Crow, yes, Stairway to Heaven. Yes, I've watched that too. Yes, 22, 22 episodes. Yes, Wait, her it, name is great. It's Canadian, so it's uh, Crow? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Crow, oh, don't you Eric know? Eric play like uh, Mark DeCascos. You'd recognize, you'll recognize him if you Google him. Everyone okay. listening, if you Google Mark DeCascos, you'll recognize him. You'll know what Pat's stuff. talking about instead of get, just giving him a blank stare like we're all doing right now. <laughs> He's Ryu in the Amazing Street Fighter movie with uh, okay, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's in John Wick 3. Yeah, he's like the guy who's like super. He's, he's like, like a fan. G- he's like a, yes, he's like a John Wick fanboy. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Damn it. Now he's you got me best. thinking about Street Fighter. That movie's so dumb good. I like that movie. I've never seen I, it's that It's terrible, one. but it's I like, like it. It's like, like Super Mario. It's one of the, the worst Super Mario Brothers movies. Brothers I've ever movies. Seen. Yeah, I like that one. I like the Super Mario Brothers movie. Talk about totally. Coke. Apparently, oh. JCVD was very, very, riding very high for that movie. <laughs> it's such a weird, we should do that movie because there's a, there's a lot of crazy lore and stuff. And it's like the final performance of Raul Julia, which what an interesting, like, it, yeah. That guy would just look like what? he was having so much fun in that movie. I know we're not t- doing a show on that movie yet, but I love Street Fighter. 
So should well, we you do final? I'm down rap? for <laughs> John Claude Van Damn. Damn. Sorry. Should we do final thoughts for real? Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Should we talk I, about the movie? Rick I, Stein. Start, He's like, what the hell? Do we start with the person who's seen it the most? The person or people who've never? I feel like I'll be in the middle because I've seen it before. And seen, or do we start with the, the newbies? Well, well, uh, uh, Rick, do you want to go first or last? Uh, we'll leave the people who haven't seen well uh, who haven't seen it their thoughts for last because my thoughts are that I still found I found parts of the movie that I didn't think were funny. Um, more funnier, uh, I guess this, this time around or, and I think it still holds up, right? There was parts of the movie that I was like, oh man, when he's, when I'm sorry, complete mind blank rewind in my (laughs) own head, the scene opening scene where Sarah is there, Eric is dead. Um, and the cop looks at her and goes, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, the house is burning. The two people who take care of you are dead. No, it is not okay. And I actually felt for her in that moment. I was like, I was like, man, wait a minute. No, this is all bad because I know what's coming. But re-watching a movie uh, again and again and again, you are always looking for new things to look out for, new things to catch. So I find myself appreciating, especially since it's been such a long time since I've seen it, the things that I loved, like him getting revenge on each of the people in clever, unique ways and having fun while doing so. And I definitely got re-caught up in the story of the killing of T-Bird because I finally felt that that was definitely like a just thing. Hearing all of the stuff about the filming, though, that I even I didn't know some of the things that you guys had mentioned at the start definitely had me looking and wondering, man, how do they actually put all this together? So I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. It's very impressive. That mm-hmm. they got this out of that <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I'll go as like the medium, the person down the middle who has seen it before. But it's been, <laughs> um, yeah, real short and sweet. I liked it. It was fun, enjoyable, good. Um, I was. I like how fast paced it was. I feel like a lot of times in this type of movie, in the beginning, they would have they would burn uh, like 15, 20 minutes of him being all whiny and emo. Totally. And have to get like coaxed into actually doing something about it. But he's just like, nah, these guys, I'm back. I'm back for reason. Oh, the reason is I'm going to fuck their shit up. All right, let's do it. And then it's an hour and a half of him fucking their shit up. So <laughs> I like that. It's I like when you just get into it and it makes the character more endearing too because he's not being whiny little. So totally. Very much enjoyed it. Um. Yeah, super fun. It was surprisingly good and like, surprisingly not a lot of stuff that was like cringy dated like a few things but not Mm -hmm. anything nearly as bad as we've come across in the past which is like a real fine line to walk with i mean especially with like you know early 90s goth zone too like Uh plot and style both could have been like ooh, but yeah not not a lot yeah and and the music was great it had just like an excellently crafted mood. Like the whole film was like kind of just like all circling back to this like cool, dark, moody story and everything that they shot and like every angle and every set piece like built up to that. And it really showed and it was really fun. I liked it. I also really liked this movie. Um, I do feel like 
uh, I have a call out against all the goths I knew uh, growing up. Most of them anyway. Are you uh, looking at me? Because this movie, <laughs> everybody I knew smoked. And this, if it, they were inspired to be goths by this movie, it was so anti-smoking. Like, he pulled so many cigarettes and cigars out of people's mouth. And he was like, smoking's bad. And everyone was like, smoking's terrible. That was the only message of this movie. And, like, no one paid <laughs> But yeah, he still smokes in the end, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but isn't it funny when the dead, guy, the dead guy tells you smoking will kill you? Isn't that a fun, isn't that a fun yes. twist? <laughs> Wordplay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. no, I I was super into this. Um, I did feel not that the beginning was slow, but like that the plot took a minute to show up, and then it was just like so awesome for the rest of the time. Uh, but like you know, all of it was necessary and interesting backstory, and you know, all the way up through his you know interpretive dance of death memory. <laughs> uh, but there are some unexpectedly like powerful scenes in this uh one that i that caught me totally off guard was the uh the breakfast scene uh oh yeah with darla's mom where it was just like this mm-hmm. is oh, like yeah. one of the saddest oh, sorry, s- scenes i've ever seen mm-hmm. and it's just like a random shot in this movie and it's going to be gone and it has no bearing on the rest of it but it's just like ugh. um <laughs> And I wasn't expecting to see anything like that in this movie. So just on that alone, where they can pull, they pulled a lot of depth out of, I mean, yeah, characters they didn't even need to flesh out. They totally got working and then they didn't waste time on the ones they didn't need to. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I could keep talking I'm about this you... for a while yeah. because it was I l- it, really good. I love Death Memory's first album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the breakfast scene, though, because like this, this movie is like, I think like what you're saying, it's like to a level of goodness that I wasn't expecting from a movie like this. And I I don't know why, I guess just because I thought, you know, it was so stylized and gothic that it was going to, I didn't think it was going to have this much depth and, and, and even like sophistication in the actual filmmaking you know, style and imagery and, and all that. And, uh, and it totally does. But that breakfast scene is so great too, because I don't know if you've noticed, but both characters are in separate shots until the very end when the girl says, I like them over easy. And she stops her. And then for the first time in the scene, they're both in the same frame. And it's like the, the storytelling, uh, elements through shot selection in this film is really good and and way better than i expected i think uh so i really enjoyed it and i thought i thought it was really great and then on top of that like brandon lee is just like you can't stop watching him he's so interesting on screen and like his facial expressions and just his mannerisms and the way he moves and everything like it's just a shame that we don't have that many movies with him in it because like he's incredible and I just, he's so badass. Like you're just, you just want to see him murder these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so I enjoyed it. It was very fun. I'm bummed that like there's more, but, but he's not in them. 
You know what I mean? Because I feel like he's the thing that makes it so great. Yeah, I get the feeling, and I mean, you've seen them all, Rick. Uh, th- I get the so, feeling that the, where they go wrong is they took all of the things that were like surface level cool from these movies and continued on with them and left the heart. Yes, behind. they keep <laughs> they keep all of the style or try to even amp the style up of let's go a little bit more neon, you know, goth. Let's let's take the world and make the world even stranger around them, and. So they take all of the style aspects. They keep the idea of, hey, we're going to use you know cool music and things like that. But um, they they go that way. But the actual story of having uh, uh, that the officer or, uh, officer Albrecht, uh, Sarah, and Eric, um, their dynamic in this movie isn't as powerful or as real in any of the other movies. Sure. The villains can be just as terrible and just as worthy of being killed, but without the counterplay, I think between the actors that brought them to life, the other movies just didn't really get the same, same push. And then in, in some of them, the writing is just bad. Like it just no. is what it is. Like uh, the, the plots just don't work or they, um, you don't really know what's happening. And it's, it, it's sometimes it's out of left field, but it is always funny at the least. It's always worth a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got this one. Uh, even if there weren't any actual crows in the movie, uh, the, the bird was a <laughs> Raven, uh, but that's okay. Brett. Well, that's cause he was the Raven. Yeah. Eric, the Raven. And he quotes the Raven to the shopkeeper. I think they were playing a joke on us. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Rick, what do you want the audience to know? What should we remind them again? What's something? Is there something that you think this audience should know or do maybe right now if they haven't already done it, which they totally should Beast. have? But. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Um, but they should check out that Kickstarter that's currently going on uh, right now because it combines awesome music with gaming and metal and warlocks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you like this movie, you'll like that campaign. And also, Rick and I put a stupid amount of work into it. So yes. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes. A ton. And, but you know, go check it out. Listen to the music, check out the awesome artwork and um, please we're it's our, it's our first major headline project. So um, we need the support. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. And that's at theredopera.com. Yeah, well, yes. it'll have a special link. Maybe. There'll be a link in the show notes. Use that one. Cuz yeah, for special reasons, use that link. For oh. for for kickback okay. reasons. Come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um oh, thank you guys for for having me on the show to actually watch this like movie that I loved so much and it was awesome hearing all of the film knowledge and theories that you brought uh, honestly Ash the last thing you mentioned with the breakfast scene and the storytelling with the friends mm. I would have never known about that in that context yeah. until you had had mentioned it so that was really cool so thank you guys so much for having me come with you guys and watch this movie that I freaking love yeah thanks for bringing well, it I'm bringing it very glad we it's yeah. always that was one of the most like universally positive like reviews we've had in a long time like, yeah. across the board. Well, so thank uh, you for doing that. It's fun. Like I said, we want to like the movies. It's more fun for us when they're enjoyable. Pat, to watch, you say so. this so often that I don't believe it. <laughs> you do <laughs> because because it's like because you know we call things out and so much almost like ninety nine percent of shit made you know before ten years ago has some 
something like racist or homophobic or misogynistic in it. And it's like, it's important to talk about that stuff, but it also, we also want people to understand like, it's because we love these things. We love movies and we love storytelling and we want them to be better. It is rare that we find yeah. one that doesn't have any of that going on. Yeah, that's like true. Today. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, though, this is a bit of a 2020 movie of a bunch of landlords trying to, you know, g- bully mm. their tenants. Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Literally just for the f- of it. God, that feels so 2020 to me. Yeah. A fun fact really quick that I just happened to stumble upon on IMDb. Uh, August 11th of 2020, Brandon Lee's costume from The Crow sold at auction for $25,000. Whoa. Wow. Just like a couple of days ago. So like people 10, are still... thousand more than the entire film's budget. No, no, no. It was yes. Million, it was yes. Million. What? The well, that was million. million. Yeah. Oh, million. Sorry. Um, yeah, I saw. <laughs> yeah, on, never mind. I saw on Twitter the uh, um, gosh darn it, the actress that played the skater girl is uh, like selling or auctioning off all of her movie memorabilia. Hmm. Oh wow! So yeah, she was a skater girl. I said, "See you later, girl." Oh dear. <laughs> okay, Ash, engage the audience. <laughs> uh. Um, if you liked this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter where we do fun stuff like um, movie polls where you can pick the movie. Or if uh, we don't do that, then I do fun things where I screenshot the movie and put it on Twitter so that you guys can guess what movie we're watching. But make sure you follow us to see more of that. We're at Let's Rewatch on Twitter. Yeah, so um, please give us a five-star review on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And tell your friends we need more listeners. And thank you to all the new listeners. I know we have a few. So welcome. Ooh. Yeah. yeah we- Hi, new buddies. Um, and then, Pat, say something about CPOV and, like, Reignite and Dole Whip. Yeah, certainpov.com is the podcast network we are a part of. Go to the website, uh, go to our Discord, and just come talk to us. We've got channels for all the shows. Um, like, there's a bajillion awesome, all with amazing people. Like Screen Snark, like um, the Robcast, like Circle of Friendship, Real Movie Critic versus the Synagogue, Dole Whip and Dreams, if you like Disney stuff, Men of Steel, if you like Superman. Um, Scruffy Nerfers, if you like Star Wars. I'm legitimately saying that. Go to the certainpov.com, check out the shows, because they're all hosted by literally, truly delightful, sweet, talented human beings. I guarantee you there's a show that you'll like there, because it's a very eclectic uh, and unique approach. You get a show, and you get a show. No. Everyone gets a show. No, I'm serious. The people rule, <laughs> go to certainpuva.com. Tell them Pat sent you. They'll let you right in. You'll get to skip the line. They'll open the velvet rope for you and let you right in. <laughs> That's All how right. the internet works. <laughs> yes. And uh, make sure you join us next time when we watch uh, another fantastic, spooky Halloween movie. Pardon me, but your teeth are in my neck. Oh, are they British? That's so polite. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.